If you're like me, you care about getting the most from your workouts, which means wearing the finest performance gear. You know, fabric that dries quickly and has superior moisture wicking properties. Fabric so soft and comfortable, you could, well, curl up and sleep in it. Introducing Sheeks, spelled S-H-E-E-X, the world's first performance bedding line. Sheeks began when two former elite athletes and coaches had an aha moment, combining everything we love about quality performance fabric with everything we love about comfortable, irresistible bedding. Unlike traditional sheets that trap heat, sheets are breathable, so you aren't constantly waking up to throw off covers or out a blanket. So you sleep deeper, longer, and better. And sheets bedding looks as good as it feels. Colors and styles that can match any decor at a price that will pleasantly surprise you. And right now, you can try sheets for 30 nights risk-free. Just go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 12-12. This is our number two of the World According to Zig podcast for this October 6, 2018. My name is John Ziegler. I'm the host of this show where you can still get the full truth about the news of the day from a conservative perspective in this world turned upside down. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. And boy, do we have a fantastic special edition of the podcast ready for you today. On this the day where Brett Kavanaugh is, by all accounts, expected to finally be confirmed as the next member to the United States Supreme Court after a highly contentious nomination battle that devolved into utter chaos and insanity. As of this moment, on uh, Saturday morning on the West Coast, he has not yet officially been confirmed, but there's no indication that he will not be. In hour number three, uh, we're joined by famed attorney Tom Mesro to talk about uh, this general issue uh, with regard to Me Too sexual abuse allegations and his experience with the Bill Cosby trial. He was Michael Jackson's attorney as well. You will not want to miss that. But uh, maybe even better than that is this hour number two, because uh, we have uh, been able to get Glenn Beck back onto the show, the legendary uh, Glenn Beck who has just written a uh, brand new book called Addicted to Outrage, How Thinking Like a Recovering Addict Can Heal the Country. Uh, Glenn and I have had a, a very interesting relationship over the years. Uh, I was once convinced that uh, he was a fraud because he was just too good of a performer. I thought he had to be acting. Uh, my old uh, co-host, uh, Leah Brandon, and I used to fight about this all the time because she was a, a huge Glenn fan. Then the Trump thing happened, and uh, him standing up against Trump really impressed me. Uh, I met him in person uh, late, uh, early last year, in the spring of last year, when I went to uh, Dallas to do a series of all-day interviews on the whole Penn State, uh, Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky situation. And I told him right to his face, hey, look, I used to think you were a fraud. Uh, and uh, he and I, and I have done a lot of interviews together. We've communicated uh, via email quite a bit. Uh, John Ziegler, I, I think he's fantastic. What a, what a interesting mind he has. And, uh, you know, I, I don't believe anybody is above reproach, but, um, you know, Glenn has been impressive so far. I do have some questions about whether or not he's warming towards Donald Trump, as a lot of people perceive that he is. And we're going to get into as much of it as we can in this extended hour plus long interview. Glenn Beck, welcome back to the podcast. How are you, sir? 
I'm doing pretty well, uh, especially given the news as we speak uh, with uh, Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation appearing to be imminent. Uh, We're going to talk about your book uh, shortly, but I got to get your reaction uh, to the fact that this now appears to be a done deal, barring some sort of uh, cataclysmic uh, event. What is is There was a couple of things that just jumped out just in the last few minutes that I've just seen. One is Chuck Todd and Meet the Press talking about how Avenatti's, um, you know, circus came to town and and hurt uh, Dr. Ford's uh, testimony and and how 20 years ago, no respecting news source would have even published any of that. And I'm just uh, I'm just jotting a note here to Chuck Todd. Are you seriously on NBC saying <laughs> how journalists wouldn't have done that 20 years ago and how it hurt that? It was MSNBC that was was the chief uh, the chief pole underneath that circus tent. Uh, and I find that incredible. And then the other is uh, Jordan Peterson. I think the first time I've disagreed with Jordan, I think, um, he seems to be saying that uh, when he gets the nomination, Kavanaugh should immediately step down uh, so someone else can uh, come in and, and the country can heal. First of all, <laughs> Jordan... Uh, no, uh, he shouldn't. If you think that the next nomination is going to go any easier, you're mistaken. Right. And please, dear God, don't put us through this again. Uh, well said. Uh, but but as far as Kavanaugh getting through, are you are you surprised? Uh, and and what do you think? What do you, what is your largest takeaway globally from this insane process that we just went through? Okay. So one uh, the 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 most important. Um, is well let me let me first give you my just my you know human gut response on this uh i am i'm disgusted by the way this happened i i'm i'm i find it despicable what people will do um you know you want to believe that uh, professor ford you know would not come out and say something and just destroy somebody for political reasons but you remember there are four people that were discredited who did do that, so why not a fifth? Mm-hmm. Um, the way the Democrats used her, abused her, dragged her out, or, as it seems now, there may have been some collusion where they were, where they were plotting together to do this, is despicable. As, a, as just an observer of this, I, I mean, I, I, I can't take uh, the press on the way they have handled this, the way they have lectured us, uh, the way they still are playing high and mighty on this. Uh, it's, it, it, they did everything they could to destroy someone. Then to say, well, he was angry. Yeah, wouldn't you, if you were called a gang rapist? Yeah. I think I would be very angry. Uh, and I think that's reasonable to be angry. Um, it, you know, we have to stop saying we're going to believe the survivor or the victim. No, we're going to take seriously the accuser. By claiming these people are survivors, are victims, you are already taking the first step. It's hmm. an accusation. Now show me the empirical evidence that it happened. If there is a preponderance of evidence, and it looks like the odds are then I will rise to the occasion and say, look, it, it looks like it probably happened. 
in a court of law, we are at the 366th day of Me Too. Yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the Me Too movement. 400 accusations have gone through. How many people have ended up in court? I'm not aware of too many. It's got to stop. So you're you're calling this a witch hunt? Then you think it's a witch hunt? I do. I, I, I because because of this, John. I'm not God, so I wasn't there. Did he do it? Maybe. Right. Uh, did he? Is he completely innocent? Maybe. It, did she make this up? Maybe. Did, was she raped or or attempted rape by somebody else? Maybe. Did he do it? Maybe. That's not enough to destroy someone. Mm-hmm. We're hearing the cry of witch. And we're immediately saying, well, let's just throw them in the pond. If they float, they're fine. If they sink <laughs> and they drown, well, they weren't a witch. Well, it, Glenn, as you well know, uh, it is rather um, ironic and, 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 and maybe important that we're, we're having this discussion uh, as two people who have been very critical as conservatives of President Donald Trump at times. And I have to say uh, that I give Donald Trump huge kudos for the way, uh, by and large, that he handled this entire fiasco, because I don't believe any other modern president ever would have stood by uh, Kavanaugh in this situation, and this probably would have turned out far worse if not for Donald Trump. Uh, and I have, and I have no problem saying that, even though I've been a, a, as ardent a critic of Trump as a conservative as anybody I know. Uh, um, but I, I'm curious: Do you think? Do you feel as a guy who is it started as never Trump, and, and we'll talk more about that later, it is now warmed to Trump. Do you feel vindicated in warming to Trump by the way he handled this and the fact that he's now gotten two you know, conservatives on the Supreme really, Court? This really bothers me, and you're, you're probably the, the, the least offensive in the way you've just said this to me. Um, people say, oh, so now you're not on the never Trump train. Excuse me. I was on the Never Trump train before there was any evidence on how he acted. I was not willing to risk the country on a guy who had zero credibility and zero history of doing what he said he was going to do. But once the people elected him, okay, he's our president. Now let's watch what he does. I'm willing to give him the – I'm just going to call balls and strikes. Mm -hmm. And – on, on this particular occasion, as on others, he has he hit this one almost out of the park. If he would have remained completely silent during it, it with an exception of uh, standing up for him and just saying, you know, we're going to let the process work, I think he handled this beautifully. Um, I, I, and I agree with you. I don't think anyone else, maybe, maybe Reagan, uh, but I'm not sure in this in this climate, right? Who had the balls to stand up to? Right. It? No, and, and I, I agree with you, and I, and I, I think you know me well enough to know. I mean, I, I am happy to, uh, to praise Trump no, when he does something. No, you're happy to throw him under the bus. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, I'm happy to throw him under the bus too. But, but it, yeah. I, it's, it has to be based on evidence. And, and frankly, yes. and frankly, let's be clear. And, and, and you know, you and I have talked a lot about how the media has perverse self-interest in this day and age. And, yeah. um, and, and I have, you know, my side. 
I, I never even consider myself interest clearly whenever I do anything for and, and my wife will be the first one to tell you that <laughs> um, um, but my, my, my self-interest from a career standpoint if, there, if I have a career is not in good things happening to Donald Trump in the conservative movement I mean it's not right. because, because as long as he's around I'm completely toast I, I, and, and I fully acknowledge that but I don't care it didn't have anything to do with my defense of Kavanaugh I wanted Kavanaugh to be defended if he was innocent and confirmed if, if he was and so, 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 John, I think that's why this worked. I think that's why this worked, because Americans are fair. Both, both Democrats and Republicans, I'm not talking about the party people. I'm not talking about team players. I'm not talking about the people in Washington. I'm talking about the neighbors that we all have. Generally speaking, people are fair when it comes to things like this. When it comes to really important things like this, they don't, we don't want that system for us, and we're seeing our whole country go this way. And, you know, there are mothers who are Democrats and Republicans who are looking at this going, wait a minute, wait a minute, I don't want my son mm-hmm. to go through this. If, 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 you, you have to have some evidence. There was no evidence. It got weaker and weaker and weaker as mm-hmm. it went on. It looked like manipulation. It looked like a witch hunt. If If... If Ford would have had any kind of evidence, if she wouldn't have said, well, I'm not sure what year it was, I'm not sure what month it was, I'm not sure where it happened, I I don't know how I got home, if she would have had anything, I think America would have leaned a little more closely to her. But it it was such a sham. Mm -hmm. You know, the Republicans, what's great about this is, and I wish I would have, I wish I would have released my book, you know, a month from now, because this is exactly what I, I talk about in the book on how to win. It's not surrender. It's change the way you deal with things and change the way you're fighting this. If you'll notice, the Republicans, first of all, they usually just surrender. Mm-hmm. But what the Republicans did was they stood their ground and they didn't call her names. They weren't um, uh, engaging in the same kind of tactics that the Democrats were. They said, okay, we'll go out to see her. No, 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 she's afraid to fly. She can't Mm -hmm. fly. Okay, so we'll go out to see her. No, no, she doesn't want to do that. Um, Okay, well, then she has to come here. Um, When they got there, we found out that, you know, they never told her what the Republicans had said. Mm -hmm. The Republicans then get a Barack Obama prosecutor who was so deferential to her, so kind Ugh. to her, almost to the point of being completely ineffective. Nobody, uh, nobody said anything but nice things to her from the mm. Republican side. Nobody was rolling their eyes. Nobody was treating her with snark. She testified. Um, then the Republican or the Democrats treated Kavanaugh like absolute dog crap. Mm-hmm. There's a bad point when people are really trying to look into it. Then even Flake at the at the last hour mm. says, "Okay, well, we, I, okay, we, a, a week. They're just asking for another week." Now, me personally, I know what they're doing. They're right. just trying to move the goalposts <laughs> right. in a week, which they tried to do. Of course, but they give them a week. Well, we can't have the president involved. No, it's totally independent. Wednesday, we need it expanded. Okay, they can go anywhere mm. they have to go. Are you kidding me? Right. And then at the end, what happens? 
Kavanaugh had a, a, a reason for righteous indignation when he said it. The Republicans played this perfectly. If they would have been snarky, they would have lost. Last uh, two questions on this before we go to your book, uh, Addicted to Outrage. Uh, the, the political question, Glenn, now, which and I, I'm not sure of, and that's why I want to get your take on, there's, there's a conventional wisdom, which is almost always wrong, that this is actually going to help the Democrats in November because now their base, no which, was, which was already ginned up, uh, is going to be, uh, you know, beyond uh, upset and they're going to turn out 110 percent. The theory is that Republicans, now that they have won, that, that the, the energy we've seen over the last week or so generated by the attacks on Kavanaugh and the, and the urge to defend him, that that will dissipate by November. You, it sounds like you disagree with that uh, theory. No, totally disagree. First of all, this is not going to end. Um, I, I, did a, I thought I was doing an interview with the BBC, and it's the only reason why I said yes. I, I, I thought my assistant had said the BBC – uh, and turned out to be CNN International, which was like, <laughs> oh, as soon as I, as soon as I put the earpiece in and I hear CNN, I looked to my assistant. I said, "I thought this was the BBC," and she said, "No, it's CNN International." I was like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> and then they come to interview me. Uh, but here's here's what they here's what they said yesterday. They're arguing absolute nonsense, and then she says to me, the interviewer says, uh, "Well." Uh, you know, we can tell a lot about a person and, uh, and, and what they think and who they are by their, by their uh, uh, Twitters, uh, their tweets, and their Twitter account. So uh, let me read one of yours from the last couple of days. And I'm thinking, wow, what did I say? This could be taken horribly. And she said, uh, let me read this to you. I'm paraphrasing, but it's pretty close to this. Americans are inherently fair, and because there is no uh, evidence, and it's he said, she said, Americans will not want to judge this on either side. If the Democrats cram this down, Americans will rise up at the polls in uh, November. You know what her response was? Are you saying that Democrats aren't American? <laughs> I mean, she needed an award for that kind of wow, thing. Wow, that is that but, is gymnastics at an Olympian level. But you don't so think, this, Glenn, that there's any this, chance that Republican turnout is is not as high as it would have been, no. like, say, if Kavanaugh had gone down? No, because this is the first time the Republicans have have shown spine. They're seeing. I I, I think there's a growing movement in America of people. Um, that are afraid of uh, of what's happening in our culture and our universities um, to uh, television. Uh, by Donald Trump being silent in the last few weeks, he has proven he ha- his silence took him out of the mix, and it allowed America just to see the press without Donald Trump. And so there was no other side because the Republicans weren't fighting back. They were letting the process work. And by him removing himself, America got a chance to see exactly everything that he says about the press was true. And so I think that there's a growing number of people that see this and say, this is ridiculous, and I do not want to be a part of these people. I know a lot of Democrats that are, are seeing their own side. Now, they are more afraid of Donald Trump. But if Donald Trump 
just plays it cool, does not, you know, is not Donald Trump for a little while. I really, truly believe that their side will be depressed because they saw them pull out every stop and America just didn't buy it. And in fact, I think they were kind of disgusted by it. And the Republicans see just how crazy the left has really, truly become. They just don't want to lose it. All right, last question on Kavanaugh. We'll get to your book and a bunch of other things real quick. Uh, but i got to ask it from a selfish standpoint. Uh, you, more than any other uh, high-profile personality, have been uh, very supportive of uh, my attempts to get to the truth in the Penn State case. After watching what happened to Kavanaugh, can you better understand now what really happened at Penn State with Paterno and Sandusky? Uh, you know, John, I think you make very valid points on what happened at Penn State. I'm, I'm not as deeply into it as, as you are, but I've heard your, your case a, a couple of times, and I think your case is, is at least valid enough to throw the whole thing into question. I, I, I mean, I didn't have a hard time believing that people could do this. It, it's really, truly um, what concerns me. When I, you know, when, when, when I talk to people and they are convinced that Kavanaugh is guilty, you, you have to stop and ask yourself, what are we turning into? What, what kind of society are we turning into where the destruction of people is really becoming a sport. Yep. <laughs> you know, your team says one thing, your side says right. one thing, or one side says something, and that's enough mm. to convince you to destroy someone's life. It's, it's, to me, you know, we're headed, you know, we're headed down 1492 and not the happy part of the year <laughs> where we discover America, but the Inquisition. I- I agree with that totally, but just for the record, the Kavanaugh story in every single which way is exactly like Penn State, Paterno, and Sandusky, except if Donald Trump had been president of Penn State, none of this would have happened, uh, and uh, none of it. And uh, You know what? And I think if Donald Trump wouldn't have been president of the United States, Kavanaugh would be lost, yep. and we would have a new standard for justice in America. I agree with that totally. But anyway, when you get a chance, tell your pal Ben Shapiro that uh, to take another look at the Penn State case in light of Kavanaugh, because I've been trying to convince him unsuccessfully. So, so when you put that on your list of things I to do, think I can convince. I don't think I can convince Ben of anything. <laughs> just to look at it, I'm not asking you to convince him. Just, sure. to, just look sure. at it. All right, all right. So let's talk about your book, "Addicted to Outrage: How Thinking Like a Recovering Addict Can Heal the." Country. Explain that the, the, the title there, Glenn. Um, we are literally addicted to uh, media. We're addicted to our tribes. We're addicted to social media. I mean, you, you know, you you can you. It's it's easy to find the uh, you know software developers that have left social media platforms and said, "Oh my gosh, we were doing really unethical things." just to addict and i left and it's gotten worse um and and so they have um created this monster we have allowed this monster to be grown in us separately meanwhile the politicians are using this they don't care about the truth if anyone thinks that uh 
the Democrats really, truly cared, and I'm not talking about the people in the, in the center of the country. I'm talking about the machine, that the Democratic machine cared about Dr. Ford, you need to go see uh, and seek some medical attention. Because there's, <laughs> no, there's no way. You're, you're either an imbecile or you are, uh, are deeply disturbed. Um, so we are being manipulated for profit, for power, um, and it's all feeding this anger. We're also being manipulated, and this is probably the most important part of the book, or one of the more important parts, of, uh, important points, is conservatives for sure don't really understand postmodernism. Uh, and this is something that I really didn't understand up until a couple of years ago, and I started really looking into it and doing research. Postmodernism, something that's been around for a while, but it was turned into a weapon um, after the riots in, in France in 68. And they saw, the Marxists saw, we're losing. Uh, we cannot turn this society using just culture. We need all of the levers. And so they took postmodernism, it's Foucault and um, I can't remember the other one, uh, and they, they get together and they, they, they figure out a way to really take apart all of the Western society. And they have to turn us against each other and they have to create victims. Everyone must be a victim. And when, actually, when they arrive in the United States and they're ready to tell their counterparts in the United States how to implement this in the universities, Foucault looks uh, at his partner and says, you realize... We're, uh, we're about to unleash a virus uh, on this culture. And they laugh. Well, we're paying that price right now. Uh, and, and the goal of the postmodernist, you know, you hear postmodern, what does that mean? The modern world is the world that was created with science and logic and empirical data uh, and reason. It is the enlightenment that brought us out of the dark ages. That has to be destroyed for them to be able to create a new world. And it is their spoken and written goal to destroy the West and to destroy all of the tools that were created in the Enlightenment. So when you hear people say, math is racist, they're actually teaching that. Math is racist. Why? Because it's part of what built and keeps this society going. So it's a rejection of all reason, all logic, um, it, it, all empirical data. That's what's happening to us. And it, they want to cause chaos. And so if we get angry and we hit back and we riot in the streets as they are, that actually helps them. That's why I wish I could have written this book and used the Kavanaugh thing as an example. It, this is not about being kind and, and joining arms and singing kumbaya with your enemies. This is about fighting it differently, smarter, knowing your enemy and what they want from you. The Republicans won because they didn't engage in the kind of rhetoric and anger that the other side was hoping for. When you have chaos in a society... The best thing you can do is be calm, reasonable, and rational and say, yeah, no, you really don't want to go there. Look at them. Look at the, 
way they're behaving. We're not like that. And when things really heat up, people generally will say, I think I want to be with those guys over there. Glenn, you mentioned in uh, Addicted to Outrage that the media is addicted to outrage. And and the reason I think it's pretty clear why that is is that outrage equals ratings. That's what gets people engaged, one of the things that gets people engaged. I think it's. I think it's more than that, John, and you'd know just as well as I would. I'd love to hear your opinion on this. I think they actually have, I mean, I, 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 I hate to use this word, but I, I, I think it actually kind of applies. They have, they have um, they, they've gone just a tad insane. They have lost logic and reason. When that, when that woman on CNN said that to me yesterday, what kind of mental hoops do you have to run through to get that point from that tweet? Oh, Glenn, Glenn, look, I agree with you that on certain topics, and Kavanaugh is absolutely one of them, that there's no rationality anymore. It's total insanity. It's it's total insanity. Anything Trump, anything Mm -hmm. political or Trump, they've lost their minds. They've lost reason. I agree with that. I'm talking about more from in a global standpoint. And and by the way, I would put talk radio into this category. I mean, let's face it. A lot of talk radio hosts, that's all they do is they get outraged because they know that's what will engage the audience. So, 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 so that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in a, in a very big picture perspective, the media clearly is addicted to outrage. And Trump is now part of that because it provides content and it provides ratings. And I guess to me, Glenn, and, and you, you're somebody who obviously, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a host and someone who hires a lot of people and, and has had to go through a lot of different roller coaster elements of the changing business model here. To me, the, the fundamental thing that has changed about the media is the fact that we now have instantaneous data that shows what people are engaged in, what outrages them, wh- wh- uh, how much it outrages them, and and instantaneously we're able to measure that, and and then the, the the tail is effectively wagging the dog. Where before, when you and I began in this business, we had no idea which takes or topics were really driving audience we might have a clue about you know how many people were calling in but that's not a very good metric so but but now there's no ambiguity about it uh, you, you know instantaneously whether it's your your how many tweets you know, or how many retweets you get or how many people are, are, are clicking on a on a story or uh, now the ratings in television the next day give you to the minute uh, which stories bump and which don't how much does that play into the media's addiction to outrage, the fact that we now can tell uh, how the audience is responding instantaneously. Well, let me tell you uh, two things. First, if anybody saw the um, uh, Ted Koppel conversation with Brian Stelter from CNN, I mean, Brian became uh, a media figure because he started TV Newser, which was all about ratings. I mean, his whole life has been about ratings and analyzing ratings of, of of media organizations. Um, and when Ted Koppel called him out this week and said, you know, let's take CNN. Uh, you know, you need Donald Trump. You love Donald Trump because of the ratings. And Stelter played, you know, Joan of Arc, you know, or Spartacus. Oh, how dare you these things. Um, and uh, Koppel just didn't give. And, you know, he asked, okay, so, Brian, how much, how much? You know, how high are your ratings? Where are they now? And 
Stelter said, well, you know, they're okay, so maybe they're up 20%. And Koppel just looked at him, and he said, okay, 30 or maybe even 40%. Well, that's a pretty big jump, but we don't care about that. Bull crap, Brian. Right. Bull crap. You don't go up 40% and then not care about it. Um, second, second thing is, don't just think that it's the media. When you and I, John, got into this business, we had to go, we had to go find an audience. Now our audience has an audience. So it's not just the media that is playing for clicks and outrage with the instant gratification. That's why we're addicted to it. All of us are. Because we also know what connects. We know if we say something snarky, if we say this or that, we see the reaction immediately. And it gives us a hit of dopamine. Right. I mean, clinically, we are addicted to this stuff. Yes. That's 100% accurate. And, and unfortunately, in Twitter, what I've seen is most of the most popular tweets are the least truthful. <laughs> there's yeah, an, they really are. There, there's and, an and, inverse. And the meanest. Yeah. And the meanest. Yeah. There's an inverse relationship between a, tr- a tweet being true and how popular it will be, <laughs> which tells you. John, you, you know, you and I, we, we have a, a good relationship. And, and I, I really think you're I think you're really one of the better talents um, out there and one of the smarter guys um, in the media. And one of the things I really like about you is that you don't care <laughs> I, you know, you do care because it actually, you know, affects your bank account, you know, and I do too, but you're not, your bank account is not going to tell you right. what your heart or your mind will disagree with right. to get your mouth to say it. You know, right. you won't do it. But And but, I appreciate that. Well, thanks, Glenn, um, but that doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> in no, fact, I know. In I, fact, I know. John, no, but, but John, I'm, I'm in many ways, I'm in the same position. No, I know you are, which is why uh, I think that's kind of why we get along so well is because yeah, we, can under, so we can understand it, each other. But my, I guess my point, though, is I'm actually the exception that not only proves the rule, but proves why people shouldn't do it my way if you want to actually be a, a quote-unquote success. I mean, the, the, the incentives here are all literally perverse, and it's not consistent with the truth. The truth has no chance because of the circumstances of today's uh, national discourse with, with, as I've said, this instantaneous feedback, and, and you've just articulated it uh, very well with regard to the addiction that we all have to, to this approval that we get, popularity. But we, but we also are, too many people are way too afraid. John, let me, let me just, let me, let me, because I know sometimes you have to, because I feel this way at times, you feel alone, despondent, you're like, why the hell am I even doing it? Mm-hmm. So let me just say this, for anybody who feels that way, and they don't want to play the game, uh, and they know if they don't play the game, they'll be on the outs. That's fine. I want you to listen to me carefully. We live in a, in a remarkable time right now. We, back in the 70s and 80s and 90s, quite honestly, things were going so well in this country that if, if it were still as easy as it was back then, we might be richer, we might be poorer, whatever, but we wouldn't be as challenged as we are right now to be our highest self. We probably wouldn't be as smart 
and we probably wouldn't have the challenges that would make us really choose who we are. This is a time, and they happen once every generation, this is a time where um, people have a chance to be their best self. This is the time that builds men into statues after they are gone. Because it is always the men. It's Abraham Lincoln. Do you think he wanted to do that? Look at our founders. They didn't want to do that. Look at Martin Luther King. They couldn't get anybody to do that. Nobody would do that. He did it. Every single time there is somebody that is willing to stand, and they're out of step with the rest of society. Martin Luther King... If he if if he didn't um, if he didn't come uh, if if he would have come just ten years earlier, it wouldn't have happened. It just wouldn't have happened. He just things fell into the right place. Abraham Lincoln had the power that he could drag people to it, but he died because of it. You have the power to either stand and become the man that you're. Your children and grandchildren and others will look to in the future and say, look at that, or you're just going to go over the cliff with the rest of the swine. And, and I learned a really important lesson, um, and I think I put this in the book. Um, uh, I, I went to Auschwitz with my family. This is about 2010, and um, I wanted my family to um, decide who they were. And so my older kids went, uh, along with my wife, and um, I, I had each of them write or read a, a book of their choosing of one of the heroes of that time, somebody who saved Jews, anybody, I don't care who it was, one of the righteous among the nations. Then we went to Auschwitz, and that's a pretty powerful experience. And after that, we, I arranged a meeting with a, a woman. Her name was Paulina. She was um, in her 80s at the time. She just died last week. Um, she was this, uh, this sweet little woman that, when she was 16 years old, uh, a Jew came up to her and said, please, I'm starving. That was a death sentence. If you gave a Jew anything to eat, because they were on a diet of, I think, 400 calories a day, if you gave them anything to eat, that's a death sentence not only for you, but your entire family. So Paulina said to this girl, um, wait, I'll, um, come back tomorrow, I'll get something. She's sitting down at dinner with her mom and dad, and she said, Mom and Dad, I have to tell you something. I'm, I may have made a mistake, but I, I felt I had to do it. I, I promised somebody I would bring them food tomorrow. She told me that her, her parents just looked at each other at the dinner table. Dad put his fork down, and they just looked at each other. And Mom got up from the table and put, uh, to started working in the kitchen. And Paulina said, Mom, what are you doing? And she said, well, if she's hungry, you know she has friends that are hungry. We're going to have to make more. Hmm. And, the, and the family decided to save people, and they did. She wasn't able to tell that story until the wall came down hmm. because she was behind the Iron Curtain, and that wouldn't have made her popular. She, when, I, when we talked to her as a family, I said to her, Paulina, I think tough times are coming again. 
and I think everybody has the potential to do what you did. How do you water the tree of righteousness? And she looked at me as if I was nuts. She didn't even understand where I was coming from. And she, she looked at me and she said, you misunderstand. The righteous didn't suddenly become righteous. They just refused to go over the cliff with the rest of humanity. Hmm. That makes it so much easier to be a great person. Does not mean you, the statues of great men make us think that they were these great. They weren't. They were just out of step with their time because the people at the time went crazy. <laughs> that's what's happening right now. Well, that's we for sure. We all know what's true. We all know. You take politics out of that Kavanaugh thing. And if that were happening in your community, and you had these two people, and there was no politics involved, everybody would say, you know, I, maybe I like Dr. Ford, but she doesn't have enough. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's happening over and over again. Right. It is critical that people like you, John, and people in your, that are listening to this podcast, don't forget what you know is true doesn't matter what everyone else says is true. You know what you were taught. Don't lose that. Do not go over the cliff with the rest of humanity. Wow. Uh, well said. I, I will say this to the audience. Uh, it's pretty clear to me that virtually every uh, extended conversation between Glenn Beck and John Ziegler eventually becomes a therapy session for one of us or both of us, <laughs> uh, depending on the circumstances of the time. And so that we have reached the therapy portion of the conversation. Yeah. So I do appreciate that. I, the, Are, am I, I billing you or are you billing me? <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. I think last time you were supposed to, to pay me, but this time clearly I need to pay you. Um, but all right, back to the book real quick because uh, you've been yeah. very generous with your time uh, and, and you mentioned actually i was going to ask this uh, and you and you gave me the perfect entree with the ted koppel brian stelzer story uh it's clear that the media is addicted to trump and their outrage over trump like a drug yeah. and to me it's very much like a drug uh, and it's yeah. interesting that that's part of the title of your book uh, recovering addict uh you know thinking like a recovering addict can, can heal the country is trump right that the media needs him to be reelected, and that consciously or subconsciously they will help that happen do you remember i mean i get a lot of i get a lot of praise and a lot of heat depending on who you're talking to for uh, finally dawning the Make America Great Again. Oh, I remember that, remember Glenn. That? I remember it well. It's on my list of questions. Right. Okay, so let me, let, me, let me tell you. Everybody, all they saw was the image. No one took the time to listen to what I was saying. And here's what I said. I'm watching, and I don't remember which scandal it was uh, with Donald Trump, but it was once again another excuse the pun, trumped-up scandal with the press, and you can see it every time there's something new. They, you can see them saying to themselves, you could feel it. They're like, we got him this time. We got him this time. <laughs> and they go all in, and they go crazy. Yep. And it was so unfair. What, whatever it was that was happening was, seemed to me to be so unfair and so um, just sickening um, that uh, the monologue was, I want to send a message to the press. You know how I have felt about Donald Trump, but in watching the way you have behaved and the way you treat um, all news, anything about him, 
everything is the worst scandal in the world. You have gone over the edge so much that you actually make me, and then I take the hat and put it on my head, want to wear the hat because it's, it's more of a statement against you. It is, it's you're driving people mm. into the arms of Donald Trump mm. because you've gone crazy. Okay. That's right. what that was all about. Well, well I'll, maybe we'll revisit that in a moment. But, but specifically, do you agree with Trump? Because I do. I think he, he will get reelected because I think the okay. Democrats are going to have a horrible candidate because they're going to lose their minds in that nominating process. And I think the media, when it comes down to it, they're not going to want to give up on their drug. Yeah, the media is the the media does not understand the the rest of the country. They don't even care to understand. They are just so high right now um, on their on their little bubble and the hate that is going around that they just they they are just shooting themselves over and over and over. They're destroying themselves. Um, and Trump, he loves it. He loves it. You want to defeat Donald Trump? Ignore him. It'll drive him nuts. Ignore yeah. him. Yeah. He, no. he can't, he's got to be the center of things. Ignore no. him. They, they'll never do that. No, ever. I, I think and they, so, yeah, they've gone after him the wrong way since day one. Uh, oh, yeah. And, yeah, it, yeah. and partially because it's been in their self-interest to do so. Because, again, I think that he is their drug, and they're not going to want to quit their drug. And, and I think it's going to mean uh, six more years I, of Donald I Trump. I think it was in their self-interest at the beginning. They right. thought he was such a clown right. that they could get all of the ratings. Then, I think, because they went, oh, my gosh, oh, we, did, we, did we do any of this? No, we couldn't have. Right. Now, it, now it's this, this moral yes. uh, position where they've got, to create, uh, they've got to correct the American people because they're just too stupid. Did they not understand by covering him? Yes, we were getting ratings, but we were mocking <laughs> him. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Right. Okay, now, Glenn, I, 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 speaking of outrage, and to be fair, I, I got to ask— if the New York Times investigation this week into uh, the Trump family and avoiding taxes and how Trump really got his wealth, if that investigation, which was extraordinary, had been yeah, well. about had been about President Hillary Clinton, who had never released her tax returns after promising oh, yeah. several times to do so, Glenn Beck, yeah. how many months would it be before the conservative media would stop milking the audience's outrage over this story? I don't think we'd stop. It'd be forever, wouldn't it? It would be forever, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. And, and, and here is why conservatives are not doing anything about it. And, and it was like, what was the last scandal? This is so many scandals. What was the last thing about Trump that came out before Kavanaugh? There was another one. Uh, oh, the Bob Woodward book. Right. <laughs> like, isn't it amazing that we have to jog our memories for that? <laughs> I know. Uh, so, so the Bob Woodward book comes out. And did, I don't know if you read it, but I read it. Yeah. There, uh, I wasn't surprised by anything. No. <laughs> I was no. like, yep. No. Yep. I agree. I'm sure that happened. Yep, that sounds like him. I mean, and, and that's the deal with Trump. People have, we, we've already cooked it all in. Nobody believes that Donald Trump was the greatest entrepreneur in the world and oh. his dad didn't give him anything. His I mean, fans look, do. It, it, his... Here's the thing. Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani, to me, are the same. 
Rudy Giuliani, you know, when he wanted to be uh, the attorney general, if you were in the Oval Office and, uh, you know, the president had a problem uh, with somebody, and then a few weeks later that problem just disappeared, don't ask Rudy what happened to that person. (laughs) Because it'd be like, no, you don't. I mean, there's a problem. It's, It's fine. Let's just move on. Don't ask. Don't ask. Same thing with Donald Trump. Donald Trump, because I lived in Manhattan, Donald Trump got more things built faster in that city than anyone else possibly in history. It took me one year, one year, to build a control room in an office building that already existed. It took me a year with the permits and everything else. Donald Trump could put a building up in a year. How? Don't ask questions. (laughs) Right. I I don't think anybody would be surprised if it was dirty. So when you see that this was was dirty, who's surprised by it? Okay, but but it's still hypocrisy, though, isn't it, Glenn? I mean, isn't it hypocrisy for the conservative media to just completely ignore, uh, for instance, this New York Times story? Well, first of all, I haven't... I haven't ignored it. Uh, we've talked about it not as much, but because of the Kavanaugh thing. Right. And it is something we'll come back to. There is something there. Um, it, it's, it's not going to be investigated because, you know, the statute of limitations are passed. Um, but, the, but the point on that one is, I think, that it is, um, it, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, the Vince Foster thing. You know, they come out with new evidence that... Uh, that uh, Hillary Clinton actually just berated him all the time, and she knew he was depressed. And yes, he committed suicide, but she really pushed all of his buttons. Okay, what? We're surprised? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not surprised by that. What are you going to do? There's nothing you can do about it. Well, we, we know this about Donald Trump. Well, this is just for the two cents, and since you've been very generous with your time, and I'll, I'll take a, a moment to, to mention this. I, I, I agree. I think it's relevant for two reasons. One, because it goes right to the heart of his narrative of who he is as a, oh, I, as, as a businessman. Um, and two... If you now, granted, this is total speculation right now, Glenn. But it, but you know, I, I have been following his career for a long time. My father did business with him, gave him a couple of loans that he never repaid uh, via the banks that he was working for. Uh, my my concern is all of a sudden Donald Trump spending against his own mo tons of cash in 2014 at a time period when he had to be thinking about running for president. All right, so who, and that's the one thing you need when you're going to run for president, especially from like him, is you need cash. And all of a sudden, he's spending massive amounts of cash in 2014 on golf courses like Turnberry and Doral. And I got to tell you, uh, even back when he bought those, I was like, there's something not right here. My blink. Okay, re- no, wait, 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 wait. This is different. This is different. You were talking about the New York Times with the New York Times. No, found. no, it's not what different. The New York Times found was old stuff. No, 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 no. You're, 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 I'm trying to save time because, because what I, what I'm suggesting. You don't have to worry about time. Go okay. ahead. What I'm suggesting is that when we realize that the real narrative here, it further destroys the myth that somehow. Trump had accumulated this wealth in the last couple of decades because you have to remember in the early 90s he was busted. 
He was broke. It was right. over. Right. It was over for Donald Trump. My, right. my father was directly involved in all that. It was over. Right. And so how did he suddenly get all this money to, so to claim to be a 10 billionaire when you look at his business record from the early 90s to to, to basically today, there are not a lot of great successes there, and there are a lot of failures. And so here's my... Well, but that's what the New York Times is about, that his dad, right. they just, they took it all from his dad. All right. this thing about, I only got a million dollars from no. dad. No, no, no. You got tens of millions of dollars from your dad and property. Right, but, and but that happened... the stuff that was illegal, but the, the statute of limitations right. is out on but, but again, here's what here's Here's the thing that people... It is relevant, and it should be cleared. Um, you know, the the uh, I can't remember how much was a a forty million dollar house that sold to you know the Russians. Well, that's exactly him. right. That's where I'm going with this. Right. When I'm this, where right. I'm going with that this matters. Okay, that but matters. Just to finish, just to just to finish the, my my theory slash point. I, again, it's not proof, but it's a it's a it's spec it's informed speculation. That, that he had already gotten dad's money well before 2014, but he was still doing everything based on loans. It was in 2014, as the Washington Post proved, he starts using massive amounts of cash. Why is that? Where's that coming from? Why did that change when he would have needed cash to run for president? And I also, and there's a part of this I'm sure you're not aware of, there, there have been golf writers who have looked into the Turnberry and Doral golf course purchases, and there is indications of Russian money all over that. And so what I'm, what I'm suggesting is that if you follow this timeline and you follow it logically, there is a possibility, underlying possibility, that there is, there is relevant evidence here to the, the Russian investigation. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm trying to get at. So, okay, so let's, let's just let, let, me, let me break that down for a second. Um, uh, 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 speculation is, you know, part of everyday, um, you know, sport now in America. Right, right. Uh, but I don't think it helps us um, to speculate and then say we should draw a conclusion. Um, uh, the speculation here, I think, is is pretty sound, but it's not on the Russian uh, uh, collusion that everyone thinks they're going for. If there is anything dirty about Donald Trump, it was in two places. One, in the Trump Tower. I don't think, I think that is absolutely, that's, that's uh, classic textbook KGB setup stuff, where you make it look like uh, something is going to happen. If they would have come in with stuff from, on Hillary Clinton, he would have taken it. But they didn't. Why? They create the doubt, and that's classic KGB misinformation or disinformation. Okay. Um, so th- that's what everybody thinks the collusion is on. That didn't happen. I think separate, what really very few people, if anybody, are talking about is, uh, you know, he's up, I think it's up in Montreal or t- uh, Toronto, uh, one of his big hotels up there built with Russian cash. Um, the the home down in Florida that right. you know was sold for sixty million dollars more. Right. That's the way you launder money, right. um, and whether he knew that was laundering money or not, that's where there is smoke. That if you if you if they if they 
are going to find something, I think it's going to be found in that. Mm-hmm. And if he was doing this um, and he knew that, you know, he knew he was in bed with these kinds of people and that's what was happening, I think that's a real issue. Will well, it be with the American people? I don't know. Yeah. I, why the press hasn't gone there when they're going for everything else? You know, what, it is, what did he say to his third grade teacher? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, just this might surprise you, Glenn, and I wrote about it in my column this morning in, in Mediate, among other things, in, in relation to the, the, the Kavanaugh mess. The Kavanaugh fiasco has actually greatly decreased my confidence in the whole theory of some sort of Russian collusion. You know why? Because every single person, whether it's in the, uh, like Richard Blumenthal or liberal commentators on Twitter who have been championing this theory, got bamboozled and easily duped by total bullcrap about Brett Kavanaugh. So if they were wrong about Brett Kavanaugh, how in the world am I supposed to trust them on Russian collusion? Uh, I know. um, I know. It's, it's, It's insane. This whole scenario is insane. Yeah. I, yeah. They just don't have anything on the collusion. Um, if, if they ever are going to find anything collusion with, with Russia, it's going to be through Deutsche Bank. It's going to be mm-hmm. through the Russian mob. And it's going to regard, you know, uh, golf courses, resorts, or hotels, okay. period. It's not going to be political. Um, uh, but so far they haven't, you know, the, it doesn't even seem like anybody's looking for that. All right. I, I, it's, 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 it, the left and the press has gone insane. Right. Our job is to not follow them down that path. All right. You, you mentioned uh, proactively your donning of the, the red uh, MAGA hat. Uh, and, and, I, and I appreciated what you said there about the press driving you into, the, in, into being more favorable towards Donald Trump. Um, and, wait, wait, wait. wait. That's, not all, that's not the only reason. That's why that particular monologue happened. Right. He has done some really good things. I mean, what he did with Israel is remarkable. Um, what he has done uh, with the with the lower courts, not just Supreme Court, but lower courts, has been remarkable. Um, uh, you know, on the other hand, his tariffs are a disaster, just a disaster. Well, I, I, it's my opinion, and we're, we're going to disagree on this, that, that Trump has actually in, in many ways been even worse than what I anticipated. Uh, but the results have not been bad yet because the economy is good and we're getting through the judges and we haven't gone to war. And, you know, so the, so the results right now are, are, are good. Uh, I still think the groundwork has been laid for some very dangerous situations going forward. And this, this all might go to crap. I hope it doesn't, but it, but it might. But, I- I would agree with you. We're in a very precarious situation, not just because of Trump, uh, but because of Obama and uh, and George W. Bush. We're we're going to, at some place. I hate to quote uh, Jeremiah Wright, but at some point, the chickens are coming home to roost. Well, there you go, Glenn Beck quoting Jeremiah Wright. But just just I want to make sure I understand the the MAGA hat thing, okay? Um, yeah. And you and I emailed about it, and you, and you did a good job of bringing me off my cliff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. That's right. You were on a cliff. <laughs> but, um, but I have given you, and, and I'm, I'm not, this is not uh, anything more than what it's intended is, is the truth. You deserve a lot more 
slack in this whole issue than someone like me when i i decided that uh that i would be quote unquote never trump you know it, i knew it would in, in negatively impact me and my family and i made a decision that okay uh you know I, i'm gonna you know i'm gonna call the truth as i see it and let the chips fall where it may you are in a very difficult different and more difficult position because we have a lot more to lose you have other people relying on you uh, with your radio show the blaze the, the television network everything else you have tons and tons of people relying on you and so therefore uh, as someone who admires the work that you've done and and i consider you a friend i've always been like hey look glenn has to be given at least some slack here to be able to survive this this hurricane that we're engaged in was there any commercial considerations in in you deciding to to put on the red maga hat i'll tell you john i you know as you're asking that question i know where you were going and i'm trying to think i honestly don't think so i know there are there have been uh and still are from time to time consideration you know somebody will say that's going to cost um and so um i really go to the um uh emmanuel kant line and that's why i would have to say no because while i have thought of that uh and i have to because i have many employees um i i will tell you that emmanuel kant um who is you know, a great philosopher of the uh, of the Enlightenment. Um, he said something once, and it stuck with me. And I've I've always loved it. There are many things that I believe that I shall never say, but I shall never say the things that I do not believe. Hmm. So anything that um, any ad- adjustment, I guess you would maybe call it, anything that I have done, may have just been to leave it out, but I'll never go on the air and support or say something that I don't believe. I won't do that. That's fair. There, and by there the way, have been times that I thought, you know, I don't agree that, but you know, it doesn't do any good for anybody and nobody's going to, you know, it's not going to change him. It's not going to change anything. Leave it out. That's a very fair answer, and I appreciate your honesty about it. Last two questions, because you've been incredibly yep. generous with your time. Um, with regard to to being never Trump and having to deal with the, the commercial considerations, which you and I have talked a lot about both on and off the air. It, it, when you look, think back on uh, all of this since the summer of 2015, when Trump came on the stage, is there one thing since that time period, basically the last three years plus from a purely strategic commercial standpoint that you wish you would have done differently? And if so, what, what would that be? Well, I have to pick one. <laughs> is there one that stands out? Uh, you know, honestly, John, I wish I would have done this. This is this was my big mistake, um, and I'm ashamed of it. This is the one thing. I mean, there's lots of things I said on the air and ways I behaved and stuff that I would like to, you know, look back. But but this is the root of the mistake, and I'm ashamed of this. I love my audience. I know many people in this business who don't give a flying crap about their audience. Mm-hmm. They, they kiss up to their audience on air, and then they just don't care. Uh, you know, I've been around people in crowds who are famous, and they'll, be, you know, they'll, they'll leave the crowd and they'll be like, oh, I just hate these people. What? Uh, 
I'm, I'm, I'm always excited to meet my audience. I like them. I respect them. I think they're smart. Um, and because of that, I cannot believe that I treated them the way I did and, and, and in this way. If they were truly my friends, which I've always felt, but I proved to myself, really, Mr. Big Shot, do you <laughs> think they're your friends, really? If, they, if I really, truly had felt that way, what I would have said to them was this. What the hell's happening? What are you doing? What, what are you, what's happening in your life? Forget about Trump. Tell me what's happening in your life. Because if, if, if somebody in my life who's my friend starts lashing out, starts acting unreasonable, starts doing something that just is out of character for them, I don't say, you're stupid, what's wrong with you, you're wrong. I don't do that. I, I sit down and say, I, I first say to my wife, something's wrong, do you, what, what, why, what's happened? And then I ask them that. I didn't do that. And by not doing that, I didn't understand they were at the end of their rope. They didn't see any other, um, any other way of making it. They, had, they just were at the end of their rope. And they were truly, truly afraid that, and, and I think in the way that the last few years have unfolded, I think they were right that if you didn't stop the left, it was about to go insane, and we'd lose the country. And quite honestly, in seeing the way the press has been, in seeing the way the colleges have been, seeing the way all of these protesters have been, I think they may have been right. I agree with everything you just said. I agree that that was my mistake as well, to go with the, this is dumb, you guys are being idiotic. Uh, um, I disagree with whether or not they were right. We, I think we're not going to know that for 15 or 20 years. And um, Well, I think uh, there's, two, there's two things, and that's what, um, uh, that's, and I was on the longer vision. You know, I, I think culturally, um, uh, we have, we're just, we're just shooting ourselves every day. We're just shooting ourselves. Um, uh, but that's not just Donald Trump. That's, you know, the media is playing an equally powerful role, if not more, um, uh, on that on that front. We, we are going to pay a very high price on things. We I think today we've avoided a really high price. Um, if if Donald Trump wouldn't have stood, uh, we would have rewarded this kind of behavior. Yep. And it would have just gotten worse and worse and worse. Uh, yep. Also, because, you know, just, you know, October 1st was the end of the fiscal year. We were at $1.2 trillion uh, more in, uh, in debt. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's just not sustainable. It's just not. Right. No, I agree with that. And, I, and I'm, I'm all uh, happy to give uh, Trump all the praise on Kavanaugh that he deserves. And that's actually where I'm going to leave this last because this because obviously, you know, you were maybe the most prominent member of what at the time was called the, the Never Trump conservative movement. Uh, I have been one of the more vocal. And, and I guess what what 
really kind of stunned me in this Kavanaugh debate, Glenn, I, I'm fascinated to get your reaction to this and whether you've even thought about it, is I was stunned that there were so few, quote unquote, never Trump conservatives who were actually strongly defending Kavanaugh. It never occurred to me that somehow my opposition or my general opposition to Trump would influence at all how I felt about Kavanaugh, especially with regard to the sex abuse allegations. And what I have concluded is, or at least I'm in the process of concluding, is that a lot of these people must have become, back to your book, addicted to liberal love. And they were afraid of losing that if they actually defended Kavanaugh. So I've actually lost a lot of respect for the so-called never-Trump conservative movement, with some few exceptions. What's your take on that? I go back to... And you might be right on that. You might be. Um, but I go back to, um, I think people are fair. I really do. Now, I, I, I can only speak for me and my friends. And, you know, my wife and I and my family, we watched the, every second of that hearing. And while we didn't, while something was wrong with Ford, it just didn't ring true to me. Because of her wanting caffeine the whole time, I thought she was on drugs. I thought they had given her Valium or something because she was all wound up. And, you know, and I'm not judging and, and mm-hmm. saying this is bad, but I could see her saying, I haven't slept in three days. You know, I had to get on an airplane, which I never do. <laughs> um, I don't know what this is going to be. And I thought she was, was drugged, which would have disconnected her from her testimony a little bit, which I felt it was disconnected from her. Her voice was like, and I really, but she never wiped a tear. It never seemed connected. Mm -hmm. But because she was asking for caffeine three times, um, I thought maybe, I mean, who's who's not wide awake? And she also said Mm -hmm. in the hearing, um, my mind isn't working fast enough. Could you repeat that? I'm sorry. My mind's not working as fast as it usually is. Hmm. So hmm. I, I was willing to listen to her and say, okay, if if it wasn't for that, maybe, uh, or I wouldn't believe her. But because she's maybe on drugs, you know, rightfully so maybe, um, I wasn't willing to say I don't believe her. I was willing to give her the benefit of the doubt. Then when Kavanaugh came on, you know, I would have, if Kavanaugh wouldn't have been good, I think I would have said, you know what, Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I believed Kavanaugh as well. And that put me in a position of, I don't want to judge. Last week I was, I don't want to judge. And because I don't want to judge, I think he has to go through. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't a, you got to do it. I've just felt... I didn't want to judge those, but I also didn't want to destroy somebody on hearsay or faulty one witness or one quote-unquote victim. Um, and then as the week proceeded, I think Ben, or, I mean, Jeff Flake did a, actually did a service to Kavanaugh. As that week proceeded, and you had Avenatti and all of these other people and the press going crazy, and additional information about Ford coming out and how that testimony got to us, I was willing to say, 
no way. Kavanaugh's got to be the guy. Well, I, but and, that was a journey for r- me. Right, and and, that, and obviously you were very thoughtful about it, but what I have perceived among most, not all, but most uh, prominent never-Trump conservatives, almost all of whom, by the way, rely on left-wing media outlets for their platform, uh, that they took a very knee-jerk, anti-Kavanaugh perspective. And and that felt, that felt to me like a commercial decision. That doesn't, you know, correlation doesn't, prove causation but knowing what i know about the business i was disappointed because i thought wow really it never even occurred trump had nothing to do with this in my mind i'm looking at the facts the evidence the logic i I couldn't care less whether or not he's it's a victory for trump or not and it just it felt to me like it discredited a a lot of those people and i I was disappointed by it but i but i get disappointed by a lot of people glenn so (laughs) so but but you but you have not been a disappointment today you've been awesome with your time and and your honesty and and by the way, it sounds like you're doing well. You, you sound much better than the last time we spoke. Are you you're doing good? Yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. Um, you know, we had, um, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a tough year for me last year. I'm already kind of into 19. Uh, and 19 is going to be a, a very good year. Uh, I, we're, we're, I've, uh, you know, done my, done my homework. I've done my work and, uh, you know, the Lord gives me some extra time. Uh, it's going to be a very good year. I'm very excited about the things we're working on. Well, I'm glad things are, are working well for you, Glenn. And thanks so much for your time. It's always great to talk to you. And uh, please keep in touch. You got it. Thanks so much, John. All right. God, that's a, God bless. that's a Glenn Beck with a, a rather extraordinary interview in which he gave us an obscene amount of time, way more than I had asked for, <laughs> way more than I expected. And uh, it's much appreciated because uh, you're never going to hear an interview like that with a high-profile media personality, I don't think, because uh, there was a lot of information, a lot of honesty, and uh, a lot of compelling stuff that was said there. By the way, once again, the name of his book, Addicted to Outrage, How Thinking Like a Recovering Addict Can Heal the Country. Please make sure that, uh, as always, you do two things. That's all I ever ask of you here on this podcast, which which I do for free and out of the goodness of my heart for whatever it's worth is that one, you share this whether either word of mouth or social media, Twitter, Facebook, what have you. If you share it and tag me, I'll almost certainly share it to, to others as well. So please do that. And number two, do yourself a favor. If you're one of those people who sleeps and when you sleep, you use sheets, pay attention to this important message. My name's John Ziegler. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Coffee. Oh, thanks. How did you sleep? Ugh, like a baby. I don't want to get out of bed. Ever. These sheets are mm, incredibly soft. What did you say they're called again? Performance bedding by Sheiks. <laughs> performance bedding? <laughs> yeah. They're made from super high-tech performance fabric. They're incredibly breathable, so you're not waking up at night throwing covers off and then an hour later throwing them back on. Huh. No wonder I slept so good. Since I started using Sheiks, I sleep like a baby. No more sweaty nights for me. No? Well. <laughs> well, I like them because they're soft. They feel like mm, silk. Performance fabric, huh? Maybe we should... Oh, I don't know. Try them out again. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort and performance for better sleep. That's Sheiks. S-H-E-E-X. Sheiks. Try Sheiks for 30 nights risk-free. Go to sleepcoolnow.com. Use promo code 1212 and get $40 off any sheet set. That's sleepcoolnow.com, promo code 1212. Sleepcoolnow.com, 1212.